It'll be a problem on and off the rest of the season. Mm. Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track, right at the fence. He made the catch! Oh, wow! The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo! He took a home run away from Justin Turner! Wow. Hi, this is Emily Nyman, and you're listening to Breaking Balls. Welcome to episode 114 of Breaking Balls. I'm your host, Emily Nyman. I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, John Snyder. You can find us on Twitter at BreakBallsPod, or if you're feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call, 631-820-7377. We've had a lot of mixing up this week. I feel like the last few weeks, it's been like, oh, Yankees are in first by themselves, Mets in there in first by themselves. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa sucks. All these things oh. that have been these running storylines. I'm lines. glad you clarified because you opened with that phrasing and I had no idea what the fuck you were talking about. <laughs> Even John's mixed up. Everything's getting mixed up this week. I was just going to open with, uh, Hi-ho, uh, Garrett D. Cold here uh, in the seventh inning, uh, 113 pitches. And season-high 13 strikeouts 13 in tonight's, uh, tonight's start. Garrett Cole has been looking very good lately. Um, his ace teammates, is gonna ace. yeah. I mean, listen. Cole has had his struggles since uh, the crackdown last year, but at the end of the day, he's a workhorse. He puts in innings. Um, he's knock on wood. He's literally never hurt. I think he's been day to day once since he's been a Yankee. Like he's just really, really solid, and um, he's just getting better now through the, September. The closest he got to getting hurt was when they took away the foreign substances. Basically, that that was his like injury, yeah. and he <laughs> still know? was on the mound. Yeah, he was still pitching. So, I mean, I can't really complain. He pitched well versus the Angels last week. Um, his infielders let him down, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Let's start with the the Mets over yes, in Queens. Yes, it's been a night of aces, Emily. Um, I mean, my ace did a little bit better than your ace, but we're not here to compare, right? No, especially because um, one played the Pirates and the other one's playing the Twins. Well, so. that wasn't sarcasm. We're really not here to compare. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. The Mets took two very much needed games from the Pirates today because we talked about this last week, like... The Mets had a rough August. You know, we, we closed August with that series against the Dodgers. And the whole time, we kept getting this narrative of, like, light at the end of the tunnel. Wait till the end of the season. Uh, September is insane. You're going to do the, the Nationals and the Pirates and the Cubs and all these bad teams. And, right. and getting over that series with the Dodgers felt like, like getting to the promised land. Like, oh, we're here, Finally, guys. We made rest. it. Except it wasn't, because then we promptly dropped two of three to the Nationals. We head over to Pittsburgh. We kind of got embarrassed last night. It was like eight to two against the Pirates. Yeah, was come brutal. on. So, so the Mets. O'Neill Cruz hit one literally into the Allegheny River, not on a bounce. Uh, it was insane. It was a line drive. I couldn't believe it. He's one of those guys. I can't even get mad though. He's so good. Oh, like so I, I'm good. Just, he's one of those guys. Like he just came up. I'm so excited to see like what that guy does. You know, and you know this is this is a shitty series for me because I like the Pirates. But I got to be honest, I'm liking the Pirates a little bit less every year because they've been annoying last couple <laughs> of years. Last year, they we either split or they might have taken the season series from us, which was fucking gross. Um, this year is a little bit better because we came back today. We came back correct. Bassett pitched this afternoon. Uh, what was it? Five. Of course, I don't have the score in front of me. It was five something, five nothing, five one, something like that. They scored five runs. The more important one, though, this is why I couldn't remember the first one. 
Jacob DeGrom came in and just did some Jacob DeGrom just shit. Just But then the Mets did the kind of un-Mets thing, and they gave him run support. They may have given him like, the full season's worth of run support tonight, because <laughs> the Mets won 10 to nothing. Yeah, um, don't get used to it, DeGrom, Don't right? get used to it, right, right. So, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like... We would like to think coming into this part of the season... That it's almost locked up, but it's not because the Braves. No, the Braves the are just fucking Braves, man. The Bra- I mean, they are the reigning World Series champions, they are, and they're not they like are. the 2018 Red Sox who then like fell apart Fluke, after that. Yeah, no. I mean, if anything, they just needed some time to get going. They had right. a little bit of the the hangover first couple months, and then what was their excuse last year? <laughs> there was no World Series hangover. They were just shitty. You're asking me to make an excuse the for the Braves? Season. Absolutely not. <laughs> Under no circumstances. But no, it's it's just annoying because the Mets have been playing on such a good pace, like you know, hundred games give or take pace, and then the Braves are playing at I think I read it was a hundred fifteen game pace. Like, well, <sighs> against almost any other team, we would be keeping the field at distance, like all that. But the Braves are just right up our asses to the point where it is my sad duty to report that we are only a half game up on the Braves, and we played that game tied for first today. Well, listen, at least it's a half game. If we recorded this last night, it would have been tied for first. So, oh, there's, oh, there's a reason I didn't show up. And not <laughs> yeah, just because like, I had a gig in the city. We need to push this back. <laughs> we need to push this narrative. And, uh, you know, good on the A's. Because the when I saw the Braves were playing the A's, I was like, oh, shit. And not of course, good it, enough on the A's. But, but yeah. I was shocked to see that like the A's were really hanging with them last night. They were. They were it was they like 10-9 at one point. Well, no, because what was annoying was it was 9-8 when I looked in. And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. Then the A's got 9, and then, of course... Of course, the Braves score again and take the game. Every time you look at the Braves, they're they're beating up on some shitty team. Every single time you look at the scores. Yeah, I mean, that's how it's done. Am I right? You know, they play way more shitty teams than they play good teams. That's just the bottom of the line, especially when you're one of the good teams. Like, right. okay, now that crosses one off the list. Exactly. So you're playing a majority of shitty teams, especially in a league where only half of the league tries. So, like, if you beat those teams, chances right. are you're going to make it to the postseason. And listen, I hate to even talk this way, but I mean, we're at the point where we have to have the conversation where it's like, listen, there's a real chance that the Mets don't win the division. There's a real chance that they do. There's a real chance that they don't. And I think it's really important not to diminish the disappointment that that would be, because it definitely would be a disappointment even to the point where I would worry about it affecting the team's psyche a little bit. Right, yeah, because this is like the time where now you're in the home stretch. Right, and it's that, but I have to balance that out with the other side is, okay, but we say it all off-season long, the whole point is to get to the playoffs, right? And the Mets are, if anything, a lock to get to the playoffs. It's just a matter what position do they get. Yeah, and having that fucking buy. Having that buy, that's everything, man. That's huge. And you know what, and... And obviously, I am not a player, and I never have been a major leaguer, that is. And like, but you have to assume that. But I am a player hater. Hate, 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 hate. (laughs) But with that being said, you have to imagine that these guys, especially when they're in a tight division race, which the Mets really have been, they knew the Braves were going to come at some point, you know? And then. I don't know if we knew it. I think the Mets, the team oh, did, I'm not saying. Not from the beginning, but I, I would say a couple months in, it was clear that, like, oh, these guys are going to be a problem. Right. I yeah. think, And I think that the players even have a better handle on that than the fans do in terms of oh, their expectations. Sure. So, a little backhanded insult, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Getting insulted by that. Okay. You're saying I don't I know I don't understand the, the game as well as a player? Fine. Okay. What am I even doing on a podcast? So, much to that end, I think that... It would be disappointing for them to lose the division, obviously, because of what it means as far as their place in the postseason and the bye and everything. But they still know that it's like the job isn't finished at winning the division. Right. So I feel like 
they'd be able to like mentally get through that even if they did lose the division especially because it's not like they're fucking all of a sudden collapsing like the Yankees did last month no, and it's they're like just, holy they're shit. playing at one of the best paces in the league and they just happen to be stuck in the division with the team that's right. playing the with, best right now exactly another fucking awesome team it's insane yeah and so it's one of those things where like in retrospect you, you know whatever happens in the 2022 season we are going to look back and be like what you know end of the day what, what a fun fucking summer you know like it really was but it's not over yet, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, which is why I don't want to talk about the Braves anymore. So wait, wait, not let's not move off the Braves too quickly. No, let's let's move off the Braves very quickly. I just have something to mention. Fuck. I've been vindicated, everybody. Um, I mean, I'm usually right, so no one should be surprised by this. Today, that's Wednesday. Doug Gottlieb, that ESPN basketball reporter, I suppose he is. I'm not even sure. You're asking me like I know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's the one who a few months ago just randomly tweeted, you know, it was coincidentally right on the heels of Freddie Freeman's fucking drama show when he went back to Atlanta and then fired his agent. And then the next day, Gottlieb tweeted that Casey Close, his former agent, never told Freddie about the last offer from the Braves. Everyone knows that. Today, he, Doug Gottlieb tweeted because he was sued by Casey Close, the agent, that he made it up. And he shouldn't have tweeted it. And it was, I really suggest you go on Twitter and look at it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. This is too long. But it is such a pathetic, like, dude, what the, f- he, I hope that he got paid pretty well for that. Because there's no way that he did it on his own. He was paid by the Braves or Freeman to fucking tweet that shit. And I hope it was worth it, guy. I really do. I mean, his integrity is gone now. So, I mean. But mine is now through the roof because I knew it was bullshit from the start. He kind of said what we all suspected, yeah. Um, I'm going to swing it back from the Braves. I'm going to take back this segment, Emily. (laughs) Um, Just a couple more quick things. So I'll sum up where the Mets are at right now with Chris Bassett did an interview after his start today. And Steve Gelbs asked him, the whole thing is like the Mets and the Braves are the only two teams in the MLB this year that have not lost four in a row. They've maxed out at three losses in a row. And the Mets continued that trend with the win earlier today. So Gelbs goes to Bassett like, you know, with you guys on a bit of a skid lately, you know, generic question, blah, blah, blah. And Bassett kind of laughed it off. He's like, you guys are the New York media, man. Like, it's it's all extremes. He's like, listen, we're not worried. Like, we're fine. It's baseball. (laughs) The shit happens. It's three games. Like, we're okay. You know, and and I took took that to heart. I really did. Well, it's like when a judge was slumping. They literally referred to it as slumping. It would be like four games that he hadn't hit yeah, a home run. Well, and that's that's New York, man. Like, you know, you right. lose two, three games in a row, which happens to every team. The sky is falling. You right. know, pack it up. It's over. Like, get the fuck out of here. Now, I hope it's not over because Marte got really mm. nastily hit by a pitch the other day. Um, not fun. No, it was it was real bad. and just it, it looked like it caught him, like, right between the wood of the bat and just, like, yeah, really sandwiched him. So we're waiting to hear. Actually... We may know now because I think they, were, they said Buck was going to mention it in the press conference. So maybe we do have the news. But we're hoping that at worst it's day-to-day. Marte is a guy we really cannot afford to lose for this stretch run. It was a fracture, but it was like a non... Non-dislocated, I think. Something like that. Something like that. Something where uh, Gary Cohen <laughs> took it upon himself to say it's not as bad as it could have been in all of his expertise, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. It made us feel better over here at Breaking Balls headquarters. It did. And speaking of feeling better, um, I have to give a little mea culpa because last week we recorded on Tuesday. And if you guys remember, the Mets flew in Timmy Trumpet, who does uh, Narcos, the song that Edmund Diaz enters to uh, with Blaster Jacks. 
And um, they flew him in from Australia to play the song live when Diaz came in. And you remember last week we talked about the Mets lost. Like, there was never the opportunity for Diaz to come in. They went in. I will say this. For one, I went back and watched that video of him doing the seventh inning stretch. He was definitely playing live. Really? 100%. He did a few, like, little embellishments and stuff. He had a microphone hooked up to his trumpet. That was live. That's my first Mia Culpa. But Mr. Met was trumpet syncing. I'm not even confident in that anymore, Em. (laughs) Maybe he wasn't, you know? My world's been turned upside down. But, so, I was fortunate. You know, sometimes, like, you know, you buy tickets to a game and... You know, a game's a game. There's 162 or you know, 81 at home you could go to. And sometimes, just coincidentally, you get tickets to the right game. And it's just sick. And that was me. The day after we recorded last Wednesday, I went with uh, my friend and my sister and my sister's girlfriend. And I happened to catch that last game against the Dodgers with that Nimmo catch. And with Timmy Trumpet so coming out again because homeboy stuck around, even though I said last week that he wasn't going to. He did. <laughs> he stuck around. He came out for Diaz's entrance, and I got to tell you, it was the hypest shit I've ever seen live. That stadium, first of all, it was a Wednesday night. It was packed. It was sold out. The stadium was rocking the entire time between the Nimmo catch and Timmy Trumpet and then beating the Dodgers in the season series and that individual series. The place was just a madhouse. It was the coolest experience I've had at a baseball game in a long time. And I got to hand it to Timmy Trumpet, man. Like... So many boomers, like we saw like Seinfeld, it was doing like, oh, you know, this three game skit is because, uh, you know, Timmy Trumpet, it's bad celebrating juju, too early. They haven't done anything. Thing. Yeah, God forbid we make it fun. Because I'll tell you, the atmosphere in that place, y- you want to talk about like celebrating and shit, but like that was so hype. You can't tell me the players didn't feed off of that. The place was going nuts, and Diaz just can't. And that was the other thing. It would have been the most Mets thing ever to do all that hype, and then, you know, Lose. Diaz comes in and just lays an egg, and he didn't. Right, he was Diaz. You know what I mean? People just seem to forget this is a fucking entertainment product. Like the whole point is to be fun, and that's one thing that like Steve Cohen has done, and it's something that uh, even non-Mets fans have commented on that he has made City Field like the place to be. Someone said it about the Friday night games where it's like there's a DJ there. Like it's it's the thing where it's like this is a a place to be and. That's something that is sorely missing in baseball, and especially in New York baseball. And now with the Yankees, like, not really winning anything in the last 13 years, it's like, okay, where is all that tradition and and fucking uh, buttoned up getting us? Nowhere. It makes the experience miserable because it's not a place to be no matter what. It's only fun if they're fucking winning, like, the 98 Yankees. Right, exactly. That's exactly it. So, yeah, you know what? I mean, end of the day. It's good for the sport. Steve Cohen is good to the sport. You're wrong if you disagree. Yeah, shut the <laughs> fuck up, Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, well, that was the other part of the tweet. And, like, I'll even own this as a Mets fan. The second part of Jerry's tweet was, like, it's the same thing as the 2000 World Series when they had who let the dogs out oh and then the Mets God. lost. It's like, listen, Jerry. Yes, that was the bottom. I'm a Mets fan, fault. too, but it was the 2000 Yankees that made the 2000 Mets lose. Let's get real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, it was the Baja men's fault. Baja men are at home. They're like, finally, some recognition for that World Series. Hey, guys, we're relevant again. They got a ring from fucking Steinbrenner. Thank you, Baja men. Instead of Mickey Mouse championships, now I'm going to start calling it a Baja men championship. (laughs) Yeah, we need to fucking get that going. So the Yankees have won three games in a row. And they are... Can they do that? Is that legal? I I didn't think they were allowed to in the second half, but they are about to. And... 
I mean, we're still in like, I think the seventh or eighth inning of this second game of the doubleheader, and they may win this game. So they may sweep the doubleheader, and that's four in a fucking row. And not only that, but in this game, Isaiah Kiner Falefa hit a fucking grand slam. We definitely missed the ball. We were still preparing for the episode. If we were recording when that fucking happened, uh, it's oh such my such a shame we weren't. I could not believe it. And this is this guy's second home run this week. He hit one in game one on Labor Day versus the fucking Twins. I mean, he has literally hit all three of his home runs this season in the last 20 games. And all I can say like is... When it counts, when they needed it, yeah. Yeah, and all <laughs> I can say is bullying works. It works. <laughs> so you're not taking full credit, but no, yes, you are. Yes, I mean, a little bit of credit. And... To be honest, I think that a lot of it has to do with, especially this game, that to be fair to him, he is a natural third baseman. That's like his natural position. That's where he played with the Rangers. And he has played a little bit of shortstop. So obviously he came here and played shortstop, but he's out of position. Oh, so you think there's like a comfortability factor? I mean... Or familiarity or whatever? It's only one game, so it's tough to like really say that's what it is. But I mean, it's pretty coincidental that Donaldson's on the paternity list congrats to him but hopefully he doesn't come back because this is working i hope his kid is a real handful dude he's such a fucking (laughs) asshole so they're playing the rays the other day they're playing the rays the other day and which they lost oh well they split that series with the rays wait did they I'm talking like I don't have my laptop right in front of me. Yeah, she, no, just, they just lost for the record, the everybody, they she's lost. looking at me. I don't have a laptop in front of me. I don't have my phone on. Like they split that with the Rays, right? I know. I'm like lying. I don't know. Resident Yankee fan, did they? No, they actually lost that series. They did manage to not get swept. That's what I was. Thinking That's what of. it was. Right? God, what a fall from grace this fucking team has been. <laughs> no, but but hey, the IKF Redemption Tour is in full effect. It is. This is his hero arc that we're witnessing right now. Hero arc. Because <laughs> last week. Actually, Cole's last start, so it's been about a week, was versus the Angels in a series that they lost to the fucking Angels, which is like, wow, this team cannot get down any batter. Cole was pitching, and he was... Well, that's why Shohei gets MVP, right? Because oh the Angels God, won. Oh, dude. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll yeah, get there. We Sorry, will. Go ahead, we go ahead, go ahead. will. <laughs> so Cole was pitching pretty well, but he uh, got into a little bit of trouble in later, and he's fifth, sixth, seventh, I'm not sure. And it was in part to his fielders. So Donaldson makes a throwing error. And the guy goes from first to second. So now there's no chance for a double play with fucking Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, the only two good hitters in that lineup coming up. DJ Benjington, cue the Benny Hill theme. Go ahead, yeah. Keep going. Oakley, so then Mike Trout actually hits into a tailor made double play ball to Isaiah, Isaiah Kiner Falefa at short. Of course, there's no double play to turn because Donaldson just blew that. But then Kiner Falefa fucking booted that ball. So now there was two runners on and Shohei Otani then hits the next pitch into the fucking into the water fountain over there at that stadium. And like people were like, oh, Cole, you know, he's an ace. He's got to. And listen, Cole threw the pitch. So I'm not saying it's not his fault in that sense. He should have thrown a better pitch, but his teammates need to fucking make those plays. He should never have been in a position where he had to throw that pitch is the point, I think. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. So and at the time, they were winning 2 nothing, so that put the Angels up 3-2, and then they never, the Yankees never came back and won. They right. lost that game. And especially because of what Cole has been through in terms of the crackdown last year and how he's struggled a little bit to find himself as his ace self, his teammates need, need to help him pick it up. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. It can't be that Cole's not an ace and he's not doing that, but then we don't give a shit that his teammates are fucking 
not making routine plays in the field when he's on the mound. Like, that is something that should be expected whether the ace is on the mound or it's your fucking fifth starter on the mound. Well, right, because we've talked about, like, the most consistent thing a team can do is field well. You know, batting is going to come and go. Pitching is going to, you know, ebb and flow. The one thing you should reliably be able to do is field the ball correctly. So when that starts going amiss, then that it's, it's a domino effect from there. You know, just chaos. And speaking of chaos, well, not really, but... <laughs> ben Verlander, known brother of Justin Verlander. <laughs> Noted brother of Justin. It's <laughs> the best possible way to introduce him. He is like the biggest fucking Shohei Otani fan that you can possibly find, especially with a check mark. On Shohei Otani much? <laughs> That's fucking good. Yeah, right, right. He's been tweeting Otani MVP constantly, and I'm sure he talks about it on his podcast, but I've never listened to it uh, because I imagine it's just much like his Twitter account. The other day, he tweets it again about him being the MVP, and obviously Aaron Judge is also very firmly in this conversation. It's, I mean, let's be real. The conversation is them. Yeah. It's those two. There's nobody else. Because even in just like the last, since we last recorded, Aaron Judge has literally hit five more home runs. He's up to 55. He is outpacing Roger Maris for 61 home runs. Like, He's just been unbelievable this season. And I'm not saying Shohei hasn't been, but there's a conversation there, and both of them are very deserving of this award. Right. I think that's important, though, because a lot of people frame the conversation in terms of like, oh, it's obvious. It's not even... It is a debate. It is a conversation. Absolutely. And they're, and they're both valid. You know, we definitely lean one way over the other, but... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. You're right, and... It's, oh, I, I know. I'm just saying you should continue. <laughs> and now, like, fortunately, and none of these, none of these stats, a lot, a lot of the advanced stats, especially the, the adjusted stats, like WAR, like they're not perfect. They're not meant to be perfect, but there's no perfect stat. That's really the it's reality. The, it's kind of the best we have, so we right. should work with it. And it's something that never really existed before, where now, oh, we can compare these players that play different positions and have different roles, and, and. That is where, like, this conversation ends up going towards. When it's like, okay, well, who's leading in war? Where Aaron Judge is leading even Shohei Otani, and this was as of yesterday, by one full war point. So, like, it's not significant enough to be like, oh, it's a runaway for Judge. But it is significant as far as conversation and discourse online is concerned. It is. Well, I think it's interesting because it it forces a philosophical conversation about how you look at it, right? Because on the one hand... You have Shohei Otani, who is doing stuff that nobody's ever done on both sides of the ball. Judge, however, is absolutely having an historic, you know, borderline legendary season. Let's see how it turns out. Taking the side of Otani, it's tough because if you're going to make that argument, then wouldn't the argument be that as long as he pitches and hits well in a year, he cannot lose MVP? He's the only guy that does it um, even close to that level on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and, and that that is something that people have been saying. And fortunately, he has been performing very well this year. So it's not... It, right. It, I feel like we haven't reached the point where it's like, okay, so we're just giving it to him because he does both, where it's like maybe in a few years that'll be the case if he starts to decline, even though he's so young. So. Oh, yeah. But the whole point of war is it's adjusted. Like, it's adjusted to try to level the playing field in order to compare... A center fielder and a first baseman or right. a fucking catcher and a left fielder, that kind of thing. Ben Verlander now has pivoted to an argument that it's not fair because Otani's war is his 
pitching war. And then first of all, whenever you're starting an argument with, it's not fair. It's not a good start. Well, and especially if you are someone who has benefited greatly from nepotism, like really, oh, like- guy, you're going to complain about something being unfair? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but I digress on that point. He was saying it's not fair because the positional adjustment for a DH is negative uh, 17 and a half runs. And he was like, you know, that's significant. And he kept on referring to it as a penalization. And first of all, I think that's a little... It's a, that's a, don't even say a little. That's a misnomer. Right? That's like, misleading. It's not... He, they're not... Nobody's he, being punished. He's not being... Exactly. He's not being fucking it's punished. Insane. It's just the fact that the two things in this sport that accumulate war fastest because they are literally the two most valuable skills is offense and pitching. So when a guy is a DH, his war could be insane because, you know, the first baseman or any other position player, their war is affected by defense and it can bring it down even if they're a pretty decent defender. But if they're not above average, it's going to pull their war down. Right. So it makes sense to, it's like a handicap in golf. It's like you have to do that. And that's the whole point of war. If you don't adjust the stat, then it's pointless. It is literally... The, its value is in the fact that it's adjusted and allows us to compare positions. Right. Well, it's it's a nuanced conversation in a crowd of people that don't like nuanced conversation is, is the problem. And, and, like, I'll be brutally honest. Like, between the two, I probably lean judge for MVP right now, but I'd be lying if I said that I've written off Shohei. I think that there is totally. some validity to that argument, for sure. I mean, put it this way. If judge breaks the record, breaks the home run record... That's even more of like, uh, okay, all right, come on. Like, how often does this happen? You know what I mean? Like, um, And even last year, you remember, like, part of the conversation with Shohei getting the MVP was, because uh, he was better on the pitching side than the hitting side last year, if I remember correctly, right? And well, I think the same goes for this year, too. I think it's the opposite this year, is oh, what really? I was reading. Yeah. But anyway, point being, I remember some of the discourse was like, well, you know, we got to give it to him this year because this might not be sustainable. Like, he might not be able to stay healthy on both sides. Like, ba 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 ba. Can literally say that about any player who has a great uh, year right, who's right, never right, been there exactly. before. Exactly. So it is a nuanced conversation. But yeah, the the you know people say that they know and it's obvious and it's not. You know, and it's it's a disservice to both those players to say that it's not at least close or a conversation. Right. And, and it was also totally dishonest. He, he was implying that people also were then piling on that, like, you know, it's not fair that he doesn't play defense. Like, first of all, why are we ignoring the fact that, like, he gets war for pitching? Like, is pitching not on the defense? Is that not a defensive position? Because that's where he's accumulating defensive war. Like, the whole idea that it's like, well, no, it's not the same kind of defense. And it's like, so what? He can fucking stack up same war as a good starting defense, pitcher. Dude, Dude, it was insane. And people were like... You know, well, there's a reason that Shohei isn't playing defense. You know, they don't want to wear him out. He can play defense. It's not like David Ortiz. And it's like, okay, but there was a reason that he didn't play either. Just because it was that he sucked on defense doesn't matter. Like, they're they're now, like, trying to, like, arbitrarily draw lines in places where they absolutely do not belong. And Shohei doesn't need all of these lines drawn. It's not like in order to make him be really good and make him be one of the top players in the league, we have to now create all these rules, which... The league has already done. Right. He's allowed to stay as the DH. How many more fucking rules do we I have mean, to change? They literally named a rule after the guy. Like, <laughs> yes. what else do you want? How? Like, <laughs> we just need to change everything to make sure that he wins MVP every year. And it's like, well, at that point, just create the Shohei Otani Award. He'll win it until he retires, and the next time somebody comes that can do that shit, they'll win the Shohei right. Otani Award. I mean, we just did that with Mr. August and Judge. So the league should just do that for Shohei Otani. Is basically what I'm saying. 
<laughs> the math checks out, Emster. So they lost that fucking series to the Angels. Then they went down to Tampa. They lost the Tampa series. Um, I mean, fortunately, they won that last game, so that kept them at five games ahead of Tampa at the time, which, like... Must whatever, be nice. It is nice. And for whatever Shop. reason... <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever reason, like, below five is tough. Like, five still feels like such a solid lead, whereas, like, four and a half was like, oh, God, which I think they're down to now or yesterday or whatever. And for whatever reason, that is just like a huge fucking difference for some. I don't know. I don't even know why. Dot, dot, dot. Emily said to a decidedly unsympathetic audience. (laughs) Well, also because fucking Tampa's coming to town after the Twins leave. So they play them again uh, this weekend. But fortunately, it's at Yankee Stadium, not at that fucking dump. Oh, yeah. Thank God. With the Twins coming to town, it uh, brought... Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela, who are making their return to Yankee Stadium um, since being traded. Gary uh, tipped his cap to the Yankees and to the crowd by, in game one, hitting a 473-foot home run. Dude. Tipped his cap. You mean that clear fuck you bat drop? Oh, my God. It was such a (laughs) fuck you bat. It was great. Like, I I like Gary. I appreciate that shit, man. It's great. You know what? Like, it... The Yankees made the right move. Gary just didn't turn out to be the player that they were hoping. He obviously has incredible pop, and he'll hit 30 home runs. But, like, I feel like he's turning more into, like, a Rugnetto door, where it's like, you have 30 oh, home sure. runs? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gio hasn't done shit. Um, Correa's just, he hit a home run tonight off Cole, but he's just been a shell of, of his former self. You can tell that free agency did not go the way How that he wanted, wanted it no. to. And it sort of rocked him a I mean, bit. we all kind of... You know, going back to like the Gottlieb thing, like you know, later finding out stuff you knew. It's like we knew he didn't want to go to Minnesota. This was not no. option one or no. two or three. It's might even not even top ten, maybe. You know, I mean, it was announced at like one a.m. Like that's he's like, can we just wait on this news and do it when everyone's See, asleep? Sometimes the breaking balls curse happens in real time. Fucker, you, you say <laughs> that Geo doesn't do shit and he hits a double immediately. Motherfucker. You know, we should not have signed that contract to have the PA system set up in the dugout for our live broadcasts. So he fucking heard that shit. I still think they fleeced us. (laughs) Speaking of fleecing, Albert fucking Pujols, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I think last week he was at 964. He's now at 965. He is one home run away from tying A-Rod. And that's 695th home run that he hit. It wasn't some, like, garbage time home run. It was poetic, was what it was. A 0-0 game, pinch hit, Pujols comes off the bench with a runner on and fucking hit a... Ostensibly his last game against the Cubs, too. Does that... Oh, because... Do we know if he's retiring this year for sure? I guess we don't know. We were talking about that last week. I think that... Well, he said that he is. I think we're kind of speculating, like... If he's within a couple home runs, does he change his mind? But as of right now, this is the farewell tour. He hasn't said anything to the contrary. He's, he's leaving. And you know what? I think that, and obviously the circumstances are very, very, very different, but I think that he'll leave. I don't think he'll come back because he's going to get so close that it's like, you're going to come back for a whole season to hit fucking I mean, three home runs. Water gun to my head? Yeah. A <laughs> water gun. Look, you know, don't get violent. And it, you know, I'm so glad that he's back in St. Louis for this because like Angels fans, it just they would not have... It just wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been the same. And I'm not saying anything negative about Angels fans because Pujols was not good for them. He was at the last 10 years of his career, which 
did not really go well. He broke down, and, and I don't blame them for having a bad taste in their mouth, especially because he was a hired gun. He wasn't like the native son Correct. to their franchise. Like you imagine him doing the farewell tour with the Angels? Or then the Dodgers. Oh, God. He never. He wouldn't play. No, he wouldn't. He would just step out of the dugout, tip his cap, and sit on the bench for three hours. And it's amazing that like the Cardinals are actually good. Like, thankfully, they're in the fucking Central Division. Well, so. you know this is my fault, right? You remember in the beginning of the season, I said like, "Oh, the Cardinals are punting it. You're doing the Molina thing, and you're doing the Pujols thing. Oh, these guys aren't taking the season seriously." But in advance, shut up, Quinn. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know, and I will wax a little poetic here. Um, Albert Pujols is just one of those charmed baseball stories. You know what I mean? Truly an all-time great, a guy we're going to be talking about forever. And so in a game like that, of course he hit that home run. Of course it was his last game against the Cubs. Of course it was meaningful and a fucking sick shot. Like, none of that is surprising. It's like Pujols ain't going out any other way. Like, that was, you got to appreciate it on that level. Yeah, like, it's almost on some, he's going to hit number 700 on game 162. And you know what? As much as I hate the Cardinals, I, I hope so. Right? I genuinely do. That would be so cool. Yeah, like, he's a guy that no he, one hates him. He transcends you know? it. He transcends it. I still hate Molina. I hate Wainwright. You can't hate Pujols. No, you How? just can't. How? You can't. He's the machine. Come on. And an interesting stat is that they said on, because um, DJ Bingington and I were watching, oh, wait, no, it actually wasn't DJ Bingington and I. It was my sister and I. We were watching SportsCenter the other night. And it was the night that he hit that home run. So they were like talking about it and then going through the stats. And apparently, Pujols has hit more home runs off of... Now, I've been trying to figure out how to fucking phrase this. And it's very difficult. So you started and gave up halfway yes. through? Yes. <laughs> well, because I've been trying to figure it out for days since I saw the stat. Because we weren't really listening to the Pujols audio. Pujols has hit more home runs off of more unique pitchers than Bonds. Yes. And we don't mean unique in like That's their right, music people. tastes. One take. Let's go. <laughs> that he's hit a home run off 451 pitchers, different pitchers. And that is a major league record. Because he just passed Barry Bonds, who is now in second place with 449 Unique pitchers. Right. And it got me thinking, like, where the all-time home run leaders rank. Because the only way to really keep up with that number is to have also over 600 or over 550 home runs. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. It's, right? it's, it's a small club that you can compare to, for sure. And I went and saw A-Rod, season third with 422. And then as I was going through the list, it made sense that it, it basically told the story of the differences in the game and how the game has evolved in terms of how pitchers are used. Whereas, you know, Babe Ruth hit, and, and to be fair, the stats aren't 100% complete from pre-1973. Like, I think like 3% or 4% of them are missing or something. So the number you could be slightly off. You are not telling me that you doubt Hank Aaron's home run total. Yeah, did you, did, like, did you guys hear that? Question. Am I fucking crazy? <laughs> so Babe Ruth, you know, who has 714 home runs, third or... Yeah, third all-time. Yep. He only hit off 200 different pitchers in his career. And the pitcher that he hit the most off of, he hit 17 of them, as opposed to Pujols, who hit the most off Ryan Dempster, and it was only eight. So it's just like, because he faced the same fucking pitcher all right. game, Ruth, and then there was no relief pitchers, and pitchers were throwing multiple that. games in a week he, and shit. Not alone that, he was facing pitchers that were like going home to run the family pet shop in the offseason. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what's funny? Like Emily and I had a little fun with numbers um, to the extent that we were able to do math. Yeah, um, which is not much well, for so me. So we, we got curious in this conversation, you know, looking at top five home runs all time, right? You know, Bonds, Aaron, Ruth, A-Rod, now, you know, Pujols. Um, how that compares in terms of plate appearances and at-bats, like how long, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, how long did it take him? And it just goes to show, going back to Ruth against, like, you know, bullshit competition and, like, all that stuff, his numbers are so crazy inflated. Like, Babe Ruth hit a home run in 8.5% of his at-bats. That's fucking crazy. Eight and a half percent. That's ridiculous. Bonds, Barry Bonds, the greatest player of all time, did it in 7.7. And Bonds' number is inflated because he literally leads... Major League history in walks. So it's like his at-bats and that, plate appearance are obviously affected by that because he led the fucking Major well, League history in walks. And that's true because if you look at the difference between the percentages of at-bats and percentages of plate appearances, for most guys like A-Rod, it's about 1%. Pujols, it's less than 1%. Bonds, it's over a percent and a half difference because so many of those plate appearances were like, uh, yeah, no, we're not giving you an at-bat. Go to first. And... The pitchers that Bonds hit the most home runs off of in his career is a very impressive list. So, oh, you mean it wasn't like Switchyard Sullivan and Boxcar <laughs> Ira? And yes, I'm stealing those from The Simpsons. But so he hit the most he hit off a pitcher, like a unique pitcher, was eight home runs, which was pretty standard for all of like the guys who played in the last twenty to twenty five years, right. thirty years. Chanho Park, Greg Maddox, Kurt Schilling. John Smoltz and Terry Mulholland, who I don't remember who that is. But still, having Maddox, Smoltz, Schilling, three Hall of Famers on there. And it's like, yeah, of course you did. Right, and that's that's what's so fun about I mean, we talked about sometimes just like just for fun, just go look at Barry Bonds' baseball reference page. It's fucking He was crazy. just so stupidly good. And everywhere you look, there's some little factoid, some little number that just speaks to just how above everyone else of all time he was. It's stupid. Because we are mentioning the uh, top 10 career home run list, the other day, I forget, you know, people will tweet things just like, oh, uh, so-and-so doesn't get enough credit or so-and-so is underrated. Uh, A few days ago, someone like baseball history or history nut or whatever tweeted that Jim Tomey doesn't get enough credit or something like that. And like, he's a fucking Hall of Famer. Like, right. And he's number seven on the career home run list. And I'm not, I don't mean to minimize that because obviously that's incredible. But what else, What is there to say about number seven? There's six other guys ahead of him. Like, what is there to say that hasn't already been said about Tommy? Like, in the lexicon of baseball history where there's been literally 20,000 major leaguers, there's really only room in conversation that stretches across, like, errors and years and everything for so many players. Yeah. Like, Tommy, he, unfortunately, he's one of those guys that played on a small market team, basically, for, the, for his prime. Yep. So... If you're not Griffey doing that, like you're you're a nobody in, in terms of this pool of players to talk about with Bonds and Pujols. Well, it, it is Aaron. funny what a what a precipitous drop off it is, even within the top ten. You know, oh, it's yeah. like and that's why pff, there's a reason we're talking about the top five people. Right, yeah, that's what's interesting. <laughs> well, and that John is not exaggerating because we literally only talked about the top five of this conversation the other night, and then today I opened it up to ten because I realized that I was ranking like the unique pitchers that they face, and I was oh. like, oh wait, this isn't an actual <laughs> ranking because there's other guys that rank higher than these five. Although one, one little stupid anecdote we talk about how like you know you can um, any kind of numbers you can find are impressive about Bonds. I love the opposite end of that spectrum. 
I wish I had saved the tweet, but it was so horrible, I just scrolled right past after reading it to you. But then you can find any narrow number to boost any player you want. So there was, I'm going to butcher this, but it was something like, in baseball history, there's only been so many players with, it was like, an average over 310, an OPS <laughs> over 820, a 14K percentage, like all the specific stuff, and it's like, I'm getting the, I'm getting the players wrong, but, you know, Barry Bonds... Lou Gehrig, blah, 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 and Jeff McNeil. It's like, all right, listen, listen. I love Jeff McNeil. I'm a big Jeff McNeil stan. Let's let's be real here. Let's keep this in perspective, please, okay? He's a great second baseman, but come on. And on that note, let's get right into the voicemails. Our first and only voicemail is from Nick. So it's a Tuesday night. A couple of multiple, multiple things to talk about here. What do you guys think about Serena? Possibly her last tennis match ever. Definitely her last U.S. Open match ever. Um, you know, football right around the corner. You know, so Emily, the football queen, get ready for your football knowledge. John, are you hyped to see another Jet losing season? Yankees five game lead. Will Aaron Judge his his sixty two? I say yes, but he won't catch Bonds. Like, what what do you guys care about more? An AL record? Or getting the record. And fourth and final, Tristan Casas obviously hit his first home run. And many people always get their panties in a bunch. Oh, don't ask for anything. Just get the ball. Take, take, take what they're willing to give you. And this may be unpopular, but I don't see anyone with the guy asking for something. You bought the seats. You went to the game. You catch the ball. Now, every baseball is different, but, like, what what do people expect? And, and for the person that catches Aaron Judge's ball, if Aaron Judge hits 62, like, is people going to say, oh, just give it to Judge, be a true Yankee fan? No. For that, now, Judge is 62 and Costas is very two different things. For Judge's ball, you have to hold out for murder. But regardless if it's a big prospect or a small prospect, you catch the ball. You should be able to ask what, what you want. I don't know why social media has whiny bitches saying, I'll just give it to him. It's not yours. Like, Jer- Jared Crabb is trying so hard to make the fan feel bad. It's just so stupid. I mean, what is there to say about Serena, you know, at this point? What, what is there left to say, rather? She's literally one of the greatest North American athletes of all time. Don't even Arguably, it. One of the greatest internationally. Of all time. Yeah, yeah, like, she's just... Oh, unbelievably dominant i mean she's won grand slams while pregnant forget about the ones that she won in her prime she's won the, her prime yeah. seemed to last for almost her entire career never left it no it's just <laughs> well, been know, incredible was, to witness i forgot to say when we were talking about me going to this uh, city field game last wednesday that was the last match that she won mm-hmm. and it just so happened it was a really quick game it was like two hours and uh as we were shuffling out like you know 9 30 10 whatever she was finishing up her match and you know the crowd was all hype we just beat the dodgers then somebody looked on their phone and uh, they started the let's go serena chant let's go serena as we're filing out and then five minutes later she won and so the chant just serena won serena won it was sick and no i don't think that she comes back i think that this is it how how else are you gonna go out right like because not for nothing it's not i mean yeah she didn't win the whole thing but she knocked out the number two seed in like the second, her second or third match, something like that. Right, and she knows that like There's diminishing returns. Yeah, you and know? she's she's getting older. She's already she's already made her point. You know what I mean? Like she's already 
reached the promised land like how much further can there's she go? nothing she can do now that will like further the legend of serena like it's been written and it's incredible totally agree and speaking of legendary and just top of their game i drafted three fantasy teams this week wait 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 hang on tomorrow's opening day dj bingington hit the music And that's really all I have to say about that. That is my only contribution to football conversations. All right, DJ Bingington, cut the music. No, don't really. I'm not done. Uh, all right, Nick. All right, Nick. Okay, okay. I know you're a Patriots fan, all right? Yeah, okay. First off, you guys aren't even going to be good this year, so have fun losing to the Dolphins, okay? And also, <laughs> yeah. you want to say, oh, are you looking forward to seeing another losing Jets season? Joke's on you, bro. I work on Sundays. I don't get to watch the games. And you've been watching the Jets lose for a long time, so... You're used to it, okay? Not disappointing anymore, right? Why are you piling on? I'm. Di- wow. Wow. Did you know I- what, DJ Bingington? Cut the music. So, yeah, talking about home runs going into the <laughs> stadium. <laughs> Did I not just say I have nothing to contribute to football? I don't even know when I'm being rude. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking pumped. As much as I love baseball, you guys know me. I'm a huge football fan. So I'm. my body is ready to be disappointed again. As far as the home run record, um, I get why they're billing it like that, but like, no, no one gives a shit about this record. It'll be really cool. I I feel like, and this may be uh, splitting hairs, but I feel like (laughs) there's no like mystique around this home run record because it's not the record. It's a lesser record because the actual major league record is the record. Whereas, like, this is now, was, like, the second place record. If he was on any other team but the Yankees, there would be no mystique. But because it was a Yankee that has the AL record, that, that's got that, that, that element help. to it. Um, I also would say, Nick, that I think it's a little bit of a disservice to Judge to have Bonds as the comparison. Hey, man. Yes. Aaron Judge is playing out of his mind. Barry Bonds is, and are you sitting down, the greatest baseball player to ever live. So that's not, you know, like, is right. he going to eat? First of all, there's no chance that he gets that record this year. Zero. Less than no. zero. No one will ever touch that record. And don't let that even remotely diminish what he's doing. The fact, oh, well, he didn't get close to Bonds, that's an absurd point of comparison. That's such a high bar. It's unfair to judge. Yeah. And, I mean, he just passed A-Rod. He, uh, he tied him yesterday, and then he passed him, or the day before, and then he passed him this afternoon. So with, because uh, A-Rod, I think, was the uh, last like highest total for home runs in a season. Right. And with 54, he was, he was like the penultimate boss before like the final boss. Yes. (laughs) And as far as people who catch the balls in the stands, I totally agree. Like the whole point is that it's now yours. It's your ball. And you should give it to Zach Campbell. Right. Right, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And unless you're fucking Zach Campbell, like chances are you're never going to catch another ball again so the fact that you were in the right place at the right time to catch not only any ball but like a ball that is actually meaningful in some way significant yeah the idea that it should just be given up for like i don't even know why because why like the teams don't give a shit that you gave it to them without asking for fucking tickets or some shit right because for one thing it's not coming out of the player's pocket the team is you know whatever merch and money whatever the fuck the deal is that's the team doing it and the other thing is, like, listen, I I really don't want to get political here, but, like, 
it really is kind of like a management versus labor thing. <laughs> yeah, it like, is. Like, oh, just give him the ball. Like, really? You're going to suck off management? Like, no, this is your one thing, man. You, you got this home run. That's one of the biggest things that's going to happen to you as just Joe Schmo, normal guy, you know, you or me. You know what I mean? So fucking milk that shit. Get paid. You know, get in the paper. Get the photo op handing off the, the baseball to Randy Levine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, that home run that he's talking about in particular was really funny because it happened. Uh, the Red Sox were playing the Rays. Oh, so the Sox. It, I made a Yankees reference. Okay, okay. So, no, but still, we were talking about Judge. It, it still works into the combo. Close enough. So it was. It happened in Tampa, and they show the fan in the stands or whatever, you know, negotiating with people from the Rays organization. And also the Rays mascot the dj kitty like yeah. in the big costume so it looked like dj kitty was like negotiating and brokering <laughs> this deal with the fan <laughs> it was just a you really funny have a picture sit down with dj kitty <laughs> to work out the particulars like, all right let's get down to brass tacks here okay he just like solemnly removes his mascot head <laughs> all right let's get down to business and it's also easy for jared Carabas to say you're you know someone's an asshole just give it back he's literally like in this world and he Something like this is meaningless to him where that guy is like a nobody right. and he's just a fan who showed up to the game and this is literally going to be his only opportunity to have any leverage whatsoever in any situation. And it's it's tale as old as time, right? Like somebody that gets a grassroots kind of start and, you know, builds themselves up and after a certain point you, you become isolated and you're in a bubble and you're detached and like, you know, the struggles of the common man are no longer your struggles. Right. So, you know, so when you catch that baseball, it's like, oh, just give it to him. Oh, yeah. You guy who like talks to the players and the managers and gets like exclusive access, like like, yeah, you're telling him to give up the ball? Fuck you. Especially in today's world where, like, I'm not even convinced that this guy, Tristan, is going to get that ball. It's a memorabilia. That's true. Who knows? Yeah, like, do you, I think that A-Rod still has his 3,000th hit ball? No, I don't. I think that the league probably, or Steiner Sports, buys it from him. And then he pawned it for the breakup with j yeah. yeah, he had to. <laughs> That's how he paid for the ring. He's like, fuck. <laughs> But that's how it happens. These players, they don't hold on to it like, oh my God, my first ball. They then use it and sell it. Dude, that was like Ron Darling on one of the uh, broadcasts recently. He was talking about like, it was something like that, like like a you know memorable ball or like, you know, player's first hit, something like that. And he was like, yeah, I'm at the age now where um, my parents called me a few years ago and they were like, Ronnie, you got to get all your stuff out of our house. We have all, the, <laughs> all these balls and memorabilia, like you got to take it. <laughs> Yeah, because at the end of the day, these guys are pros. So even though that's his first hit home run, it's not like he's there because he's like a make-a-wish kid. You know, it's like he's there as a professional. He's not like, oh, my God, my his mom definitely is like, oh, my God, his first ball. Because his mom has fucking his first haircut clippings in a book, too. You know what I mean? Don't <laughs> <laughs> save the teeth and everything. You could very convincingly make the argument that any given ball like that does mean more to the fan than to the player that's quote-unquote getting it in the big scheme of things. You can fucking bet your ass that if I caught A-Rod's 3,000th hit, that was a home run that that asshole Zach Hampel caught, I wouldn't have fucking traded it for literally anything. Yeah. There's nothing that they could have given me. I would have said, okay, I'll meet A-Rod and then been like, psych! <laughs> just hand him a decoy ball. <laughs> no, 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 this was it. This is it. It's just like still in the just plastic Just signed wrap. by me. Your number one fan. <laughs> that about wraps it up for Breaking Balls this week. We want to thank our caller, Nick, you rule, and all of our listeners. You guys are amazing. Anyone else listening wants to get in on the fun, feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. 
You can also find us on Twitter at BreakBallsPod. And we want to thank our amazing producer and engineer, DJ Bingington. You can find him on Twitter as well, at DJ B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And we will catch you guys next week. 